It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is Ace Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Oh, hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. The note that I wrote down that I, I felt was very interesting is that the A's, the A's finally are getting young. Finally. Finally. I've talked a lot about that post-game show. I've talked a lot about it on this show. Uh, I, I hammered it home last year, and I know like people, why does he keep talking about this? Because I kept wanting to tell you is that everybody keeps talking about how young they are, and they got these old guys. Got a bunch of old guys. Just look at the average age. The A's started out with an average age of 28.93, 12th in the league. Now with the moves that are being made, as of right now, with Luis Medina going to be pitching today, the A's are now the third youngest roster in baseball. So finally, finally we can start saying they're getting younger. But the average age is still 28. I'd like to get way younger than that. I was looking. I was trying to look up. I would love to get way younger than that. I've said it. Listen, unless a guy is a special leader, like this guy is, what he does in the clubhouse. I mean, what he does for you on road trips. He's leading the charge. He's he's teaching these young guys. I would. I'd keep that guy around or two of those guys around. Everybody else would be twenty six or younger. I'm looking. The average. This is on Baseball Reference. This before Medina actually appears in a game. He'd be the. He will be the 35th guy to appear in a game because Sammy Long appeared last night. Yeah. Um, I would look good, too. Yeah, the A's uh, average age for batters is 28 and a half, and then pitchers is 28 before Medina. So cap going down and Medina coming up, that's going to drag it down. So, yeah, that makes it sensibly 28. The only team that the only teams that have a younger pitching staff than the A's are the Guardians and the Rays in the American League and then the Marlins in the National League. The G- Guardians pitching staff is 26.6, and they had a guy pitch today that was another prospect who – Dealt really well and pitched well against uh, – I forget who the Guardians were playing, but he pitched well, got called up. He's not one of their prospects. He pitched really well. They get eight strikeouts or so, A-plus. So, Guardians are right there, but that's good to see that the A's finally are embracing the uh, youth movement. No doubt about it. And Luis Medina will make his debut tonight. He turns 24 next Wednesday. 
Yeah, I think it's all May May third, right? That's May third, not May the fourth. Yeah, no, that's in your Mandalorian. Don't steal that from Cots. That May third, he'll turn twenty four. So if you look at the trade for Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino, you got J.P. Sears, Ken Waldachuk, and Luis Medina. They're now all going to be in the rotation. So right now, nine starts this year. Sears and Waldachuk have combined to go 0-3 with a 6.51 ERA, 15 home runs. That has to come down. Um the scouting report on Medina is simple. He's 96, 97, can get all the way up to 102. So that probably varies ballpark to ballpark. But, you know, what? if you're getting up in that range, you're throwing some serious smoke. Scouts absolutely love his curveball. They think his curveball is unhittable. We will see about that. Changeup was going to be around 89 miles an hour. And he's very athletic. Very athletic delivery. He's going to get up there and he's going to bring it. There is one problem. There are times where he does not know where the ball's going. And that to me, tonight, what we are going to see, and I want to just see this guy, if you're bringing him up, keep him in the rotation, right? Keep him in the rotation. Let's see. Until it gets. And knock on wood, it never gets to that point. But if it gets too bad, then you send him back down. But let him, let him pitch. Like, look at the way Waldachuk has thrown the last three times. Look at the way Sears, his last outing in Texas. Let these guys pitch. A guy like Cap could probably pitch his way out. Cap pitched his way out of the rotation. It's as simple as that. He's now got to go down to AAA, and – I don't know how you find it down at AAA, but he's got to go down to AAA and he's got to find whatever he needs to find on how to get people out here at the big league level on a consistent basis. And a lot of that, too, is also throwing strikes. But this kid tonight, what I would like to see, it's purely simple. I would like a game plan. You're not going to worry about the scouting report, and I can give you numbers here. Hunter Renfro is hot. Mike Trout is hot. Shohei Otani is not. Shohei Otani's hitting a buck forty-eight his last seven games with seven Ks. He's not seeing it well right now. But whatever. He looked. He didn't have good at bats against Mason Miller either. I'm saying this. Scrap that. I'm not worried about scouting reports of the opposition. I'm worried about what this kid does well. What are his strengths? What does he feel good with? And that's what I'm pitching to. You like throwing inside. You like throwing on the outer half, wherever you like. Because I'm not expecting six, seven innings. I don't know how many times he's going to go through these through through the Angels lineup. So I'm going to say what it what or I should know already. But what is he comfortable with? What is he comfortable throwing? And what counts? Whatever he's comfortable with. I'm not I'm not moving the ball all around. If he likes throwing inside, I, I'm I'm I haven't checked the lineup. Who's catching tonight? Is it Langleyers uh, or no, Perez? No, it's Perez. All right, if I'm Perez, big boy, where you want me to be? Where are you comfortable? You're cut around, comfortable on the outer half. I'm hanging out in the outer half, and I'm not and I'm not nibbling. I'm gonna stay in the strike zone. We do not want to see fastball down, fastball out. I don't want to be living on the edges because if he's living on the edges, this kid's gonna throw balls. I need feel for inside the strike zone. 
We'll talk to Johnny Gomes about this. Remember, no one's hitting 500. You can throw balls in the strike zone. Odds are, percentages are, you're going to get guys out. Stay in the strike zone. Keep him in the strike zone. Because one of the things that happens with any pitcher, doesn't matter the age, is when you start losing your mechanics and your release point and it starts going all over the place, it's tough to get you back in the strike zone. You want those mechanics. You want the focus. You want everything being in the strike zone. Don't get too cute. Throw strikes. If they beat you inside the strike zone, so be it. Don't get to a point to where all of a sudden balls, because what you'll start to see, and you've seen it with Caprillion, everything starts to be outside. He's throwing across his body. Everything's fastballs, breaking balls. Everything's not close. You've got to keep him coming down the hill, and you've got to keep him pumping it in the strike zone. And if they're hitting it, fine. But we can't get into Wakapalooza. You get into Wakapalooza, next thing you know, it's two innings, two and a third, three and a third, and now it's bullpen city again, and God knows that's been killing this bullpen. It's got to be strike-a-palooza, not Wakapalooza. And let's and you know what happens when guys hit it? Sometimes, Cody, they hit it to the defense, and you pitch to contact, and you utilize your defense, and it works. Not everything has to be strikeouts. I would say they still do that in baseball, but no, it's the one thing about Medina from what I from what I read and and leaking the box score, he held opponents to batting average in AAA to one sixty one. Walks were an issue. He had, he had eleven strikeouts and eight Free walks, passes. and only what was it nine in the third innings pitched. So, oh, so it was five walks and three walk pitches and the hit batter. So. It's uh, we want to see him command the strike zone. He has some good pitches from what from the notes that we've seen. His fastball gets up to one hundred two, as you mentioned. He has a good curveball, and his changeup is is pretty good too. And it has it's as it says flash plus at times with good splitting action. So I want to see what he has to do. I mean, we're getting finally getting to see the young kids' pitches. What we wanted to see, Mason Miller's here, Walter Chuck. We're seeing every guy that was acquired in the Trevino Frankie Montas trade is pitching in this series against the Angels. Uh, this trade. <laughs> This trade right here is better than the Sunny Gray trade. Well, Momenteo's shortstop for the, the uh, Orioles. Uh, Caps in Vegas. Where's Dustin Fowler? Uh, we went over his numbers yesterday when he did in AAA 2019 where he was hitting home runs everywhere. I think he's out of the league. I don't, is he even in baseball anymore? I remember the Pirates had him for a bit, and then they let him go. Uh, Dustin Fowler, he's still only 28 years old. Um, yeah, he's not, he's not playing anywhere, according to – the internet. The last team he was on was the Pirates. Sunny Gray trade is a stinker. Maybe this one. I mean, if you've got three fours, or we wouldn't call that. Now we have, I don't even know how many starters we got. What? What? A, a lot of your rotation is the Frankie Montas trade. Then you can start saying, "Yeah, this was actually a pretty good trade." Uh, three fifths of it. If you look, the other guys that aren't are Mason Miller and who was the starter? Well, Fuji's out. Uh, caps out. Kyle Muller. Oh, Muller, yeah. So but, there's. But then if you have Rosinski. No, so three six, half your rotation. Right, right. now it's three fifths because Muller, I keep forgetting Muller. Muller and Miller, and then you have Walter Chuck. You forget Sears the opening the day starter? Yeah. There's a lot of M's in the rotation, the three M's, and then Walter Chuck and. But I love how it, you know what? This is what I wanted. I mean, you're already 5 and 19. What the hell are you doing with veteran guys? What the hell are you doing with veteran guys hitting under two, two hitting under two hundred? I, I I get it. I, I I understand. I understand the the idea of 
Because as we said yesterday, there's other teams with small payrolls who are doing well. I mean, that, 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 that's kind of a tough excuse now, right? Do you draft well? Do you have good signings? Do you have good trades? If you do that, you can be competitive. Uh, Cleveland, Tampa, Pittsburgh starting to do a little bit now. So just saying, well, you know. Milwaukee. I've never liked that excuse. And I know in the past we didn't like that excuse. We didn't care. We win despite the payroll. Now with people trying to go to the payroll, well, look how low it is. Okay, but you're still drafting people. Where are the second rounders, third rounders, fourth rounders, fifth rounders, sixth rounders? You're still drafting people. There's still all these people making trades. There's still guys to sign. Well, what'd you do? You, you went out and you signed veteran guys thinking, you know what? If we get some veteran guys in here and they actually are productive, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of ifs. If this guy does this, if this guy does that, we can be competitive. Well, you start out the season, Rosinski's got a hammy. Bad finger and now a bad nail with Blackburn. That just sounds problematic going you're, forward. You're if veteran players, you're playing Tony Kemp every day. Not today. Is he finally out of the lineup? He's not playing today, yes. Both Aletmus and Aletmus Diaz is playing third day third base today, hitting a buck fifty six. You've been playing Tony Kemp every day; he's hitting a buck seventy, whatever. Uh, Jace Peterson is not in the lineup; he's hitting a buck something. I mean, all these veteran guys you brought in. Uh, Jesus Aguilar numbers look better because he had two home runs in one game. Yeah, good game. I mean, it's one game, but otherwise, he what is he really giving? He's giving you a bunch of solo shots. Um, he's giving you four. He's giving you four. He had one big home run. Yeah. Other than that, I I, you haven't gotten much out of Jesus Aguilar. So, I mean, just looking at the veteran guys, they haven't given you much. So the guys, the, the ifs that you brought in, they haven't, from a pitching and a offensive standpoint, they haven't performed. And that's like one of the reasons why. In hindsight's 2020, we can play hindsight's 2020. That's why you wanted to see a younger team. From the get-go, going, if we already knew it was going to be something like this, let's go young. Because right now, I'm excited. Jordan Diaz is in the lineup. I have no idea why he wasn't in the lineup last night. He comes in and does what? All he does is hit. Like, he's got to play every day. Obviously, Ruiz is playing every day. And I know his average has started to drop. Who cares? Let him play every day. Let him learn. And then I'm sitting here, Noda's not in the lineup today? Lefty. Who cares? What, Matt, why are we playing matchups? Oh, look, Connor Capel's in the lineup. You're five and nineteen, and you're playing matchups. I mean, I mean, like, Con- Connor Capel's in there, and he's lefty. It's like this is the game plan. Well, you're five and nineteen, but this is the game plan. Let Noda play. Let Noda learn how to hit lefties. He also gets on base at a high clip. At a high clip, every day you look at Noda's walking. And then he springs in some hits. Spring. He gets on base. What's he do? He gets on base. He gets on base. I get it, though. You want to have Langoliers DH, and then you can have Perez. I just, I just, but it's like, give me young, give me young. I'm starving for young. I'm starving for young players, and I, and I don't want to. I mean, it almost is like playing matchups. You're playing matchups, like. Am I crazy? No, I think the, I think these guys should be playing too. Like what? 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 I. But here's the problem: you went out and signed these veteran guys, and you kept some veteran guys, and so you're kind of stuck with what you built until you, you just fi- have to just say enough's enough. 
and I don't know. I mean, front offices like to stick around with the plan a little bit longer than, than, than fans. But as a fan, I'm like, I've already seen what the plan looked like, and it failed. So it's not like, you know, you got to throw con, uh, conventional wisdom out the door. It's got to go out the door. You're playing matchups. And that, you know, managers will tell you, I'm sure Mark Kotze will tell us, hey, we're trying to win every game. Great. Well, your matchups got you to 5-19. and 19. Maybe it's time to yeah. Just like your game plan, if you, yeah, you, you can say all the you can say all you want. This is what we want to do, but this is a results business. Wins and losses. Wins and losses say you're five and nineteen with your process. So how long are you going to go with the process? And this could be something that they continue to do all year long because they like to stick with this is what we do. We're going to exploit the matchups. I rather say, you know what? Throw a guy in there, let him learn, let him play. He's not great against lefties in his career. Why? Well, because now we never allow guys to learn how to play. I mean, they do this in the minor leagues. The guys too. They do this all over baseball. They, 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 they label you. They do the worst thing you can do to somebody. They label you early. You can't do this, so we're not going to allow you to do this. It's just wrong. Remember in the World Series for the Dodgers, they weren't playing Bellinger and Muncy against lefties? How'd that work out for them? Oh, but they're so smart. They're so smart. Everybody's so smart. Everybody's so smart. And they're going to stick to their to the, to their little game plan, but it's like, uh, we know what your game plan's going to produce. So if you're going to lose, the way you get better while losing is developing players. You're not developing 32-year-olds. You're not developing 31-year-olds. Hell, you're not developing 28-year-olds. And Brent Rooker's having a great start to the year. Huh? And Brent Rooker's having a great start to the year, but you're he's, right. He's an outlier. All right, play him. Rooker's doing great. Last 14 games, he's hitting 386. He's got a 1,341 OPS, six bombs, 14 RBIs. He's earned the right to play. So play him. That's fine. But you can't have a roster full of these guys. No, I think one. I think a guy like Rooker's fine, and then you have a young outfield like Capel and Ruiz playing today. Yeah, like Cape. Cape. What has Capel done? Capel's just hit. Was he hitting now like two two ninety four? I think mean, it was close to three hundred. He's hit. So you know what? He's earned the right to play. And he gets on base too. He and, or he gets on base, but he also steals some bags. So I think he's yeah. second on the team in steals. Four, I think, because SD Ruiz has five, which that should, number should be higher. That it, I'm not going to say it's criminal, but it's it's uh, yeah, it's 1341 for Rooker. Um, yeah, it's almost. I almost want to say to Ruiz, like, bro, what are you doing? You only have this. You had 88 last year. The, the bags are for the taken. Stolen bases continue to be way up. But you know the one thing that I want to talk about with Otani today is, I hope. Everybody understands of, of, of really what he means to young baseball players. I'm not talking about how much money he's worth. He's going to make a bazillion dollars. Whoever ends up signing him, they're going to make a ton of money off of him too. He's a great investment. He's a human ATM for any organization. Is he doing something we've never we've never seen before? Of course. It is, it's incredible that guy hits a home run and he's the starting pitcher the next day. I had a chance. I mean, I thought it would have been a garbage cycle, but he had a chance for the cycle yesterday. 
everything he does is historic. It is maybe once in a lifetime, but maybe not. And I think the one thing that we should truly appreciate from Shohei Otani, I don't think we hear this enough, and to me as a baseball player is the number one thing, and for all young baseball players who watch this, who will be listening to this, is the guy's a gamer. The guy is in it to win it. He wants to play. He wants to play every day. We have gotten into this world in professional sports where guys want less time. We here in the NBA, load management. Giancarlo Stanton over like the last five years for the Yankees has missed 47% of his games. You know, guys didn't want to play in the WBC because they, they, they don't want to get hurt. I get it. But you know who's the guy that wants to play? You know, who, you know who the guy that said, you know what, I don't want to take the day off from hitting when I'm pitching. I don't want to take off the day before. I mean, they had these ridiculous rules with the Angels with what they wanted him to do, and they are worried about him doing too much. And he's like, let me go. I want to play. I want to play. I want to pitch. I want to hit. I want to do it during the season. I want to do it during spring training. I want to do it in the WBC. He wants to play. He's an absolute gamer. And hopefully, we're now watching, and more important than people like us, is all these coaches out there who are watching. The Mark Kotze's of the world. Mark Kotze could have been a two-way player. He wouldn't have been a starter. He would have been a reliever. I know. You've read about it. I lived it. I played against him at Cal State Fullerton when I played at San Jose State. I watched Mark Kotze wear you out at the plate and then come in out of center field and blow smoke by everybody. He was so in 96-97. Mark Kotze could have been a version of Shohei Otani, but he would have been the hitter slash reliever. But they wouldn't give, like, like Bruce Kieschnick. I don't even know. You might be too young. Bruce. The Brewers. Well, he was out of Texas, and I believe – I believe Kieschnick was drafted by the Cubs. He was one of the, these two-way guys. Cal State Northridge had it. I mean, this is going way back. Uh, one guy was Sharts. The other guy was – and it's when Cal State Northridge got to be D1 and they started shocking everybody. Uh, God, I remember the two guys' names. Cubs in the first round. Yeah, Kieschnick was out of yeah. Texas, drafted by the Cubs. We've seen it. But no one's really been get Clayton and Sharts were the two guys. They, they weren't given the opportunity once they got to the Meyer Leagues to truly do it. Maybe this will be not only the gift Otani is giving us uh, of excellence, but the gift of how he's going to change the game so that we will see. We may not see a guy as talented starting and pitching, but we may see the effect of saying, hey, listen, this guy can pitch and gets out. This guy can pitch and get outs. This guy can hit. And be effective. But what I love about the most is that Otani wants to play. There's no load management for him anymore. He didn't want that. I mean, you know how many times in the NFL you hear about guys who get the second contract where they get the guaranteed, they get the guaranteed signing bonus, and then they don't want to play hurt? I mean, how many times do we see load management in the NBA? It just happened with Kawhi Leonard. I mean, this guy wants to play. In an era of everybody's about protecting their brand, protecting themselves as an investment, Otani's like the hell with it. I had Tommy John. He hit through Tommy John. He always wants to play. He loves the game. He's up for the fight. My favorite thing is he has the best sprint speed in baseball from home to first. He hustles on the line no matter what it is, a ground ball to shortstop or 
Single to left. The guy hustles all the time. I love watching He him. plays. He, I mean, I mean, you remember Bonds. Bonds lollygagged his ass down to first constantly. Shohei Otani's a gamer. He's ready to you, – you put him on the mound, he's bringing it. You put him at the plate, he's, he's swinging out of his you-know-what. As you said, he's fast, he runs, he's trying – I mean, he, he's doing it the way you're supposed to do it. It's refreshing. So beyond the stats, beyond the eyes oh, of unicorn, all that stuff, I just respect the fact that he comes out ready to kick your behind every single day. He's up for the challenge. And great ones, they do that. Joe DiMaggio used to say, I play hard every single day because there's a kid that's showing up, and this is the first time he's ever seen me play. And he could have said it could be the last time he's ever going to see him play. Michael Jordan showed up, hung over, gambling all night. He could play golf during the game. Jeremy Roenick has a story, uh, uh, the great hockey player. Jeremy Roenick said he played 36 holes with Michael Jordan, and I'll say it, was drinking beers while he was playing golf and then went out that night against somebody and put up 46. Michael Jordan came to play every single game. He came to kick your behind. And we're seeing it, I mean, if you want to tie it to a modern guy, where LeBron James plays every game. Except for when he, I mean, when he gets hurt, obviously that happens. But Car- LeBron Carl plays. Malone played 82 games every year. Carl Malone played every game. Carl, uh, Cal Ripken Jr. I mean, there's certain guys who love the challenge. They love the fight despite their hammy's a little hurt, their ankle's a little bad. You know, they, I'm playing. Tape it up. Give me some, some ibuprofen. Let's go. I'm ready to rock. And that is Shohei Otani. You could say that as a kid, say no. He's built different. I just, I, I, a lot of respect. I mean, he's, he's like everybody else. He's felt, we saw him foul a ball off his shin. That hurts. Doesn't matter. It's like when we were kids, we all played. We all pitched. We all hit. We're like, let's go. And he's at that point in his life he can still do this. Now, I don't know at 34, 35, 36, if now that. But you know what? He's not worried about that. He wants to do it now. And I wonder how many guys that if they look back in their career, guys who missed a bunch of games, and, and if they look back, you know, you only got one career. Games played. You only got so many games to play. Don't you want to play as many and as many innings and get as many at-bats, as many innings pitched? Isn't that what you want? Because so, once you're done, you're done. It's over. You're not playing anymore. You are done. Don't you want to get the most out of what you possibly can get while you're playing? And I bet there is a bunch of guys who didn't have the right mindset, disgruntled, who look back on their career and go, man, I really screwed that up. Because there's guys that they've just had attitude problems or they just didn't have the right approach. They didn't work out enough. They didn't take care of themselves. They didn't get enough sleep. They didn't eat the right food. They're out partying at night. I mean, I mean, can you, you trying to tell me Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Good and two guys that come to mind don't sit back and go, man, what could have been? Oh, yeah, especially, I mean, for especially Doc Gooden for how good he was when he came up. I mean, Strawberry was a great player, too, but Dwight Gooden was, you know, uh, could you say he's the best pit- he was the best pitcher in the National League in the 80s? I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Roger Clemens because Clemens was great in the American League. But, yeah, those are two guys that come to mind. I mean, there's guys now that, you know, in pro sports you're watching a lot more. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's going to look back on his uh, basketball career and wonder what happens if I would have played more. The guy got a huge contract from the Clippers, and he sat out the last three games of the playoff series with a – they said it was a knee sprain. Now he has a torn meniscus. The guy, the, he's, the, he's the poster child for load management when it comes to 
to guys. And then you got guys grinding their entire careers trying to get here, like Drew Maggi of the Pirates, who's finally here. And it took him 13 years. This, these are the, those are the guys you want to see, not the guys that get here and they're like, yeah, well, I got here and I got my money. And, you know, we've seen it well, too many I times. Well, I mean, Kawhi, Kawhi will be 45 years old and there's no more basketball left. And it's like, man, do you realize how many games you didn't play? I mean, John Carlos Stanton. He's a good example. Clearly, whatever he is doing in the offseason isn't working. Whatever he's doing, he's missed 40 7% of the games in, like, the last five years for the Yankees. What's he have now? Isn't it a hammy right now? Uh, who knows? I don't know. He's hurt so much. I don't keep track. He, it's out, boring. He, I just know he's out for four to six 40, weeks. Se- he sits there in Yankee gear rehabbing every single game. Now, when he plays, he puts up numbers. All right. Every single year, the NFL schedule comes out, and we love going over the schedule. Frank Caliano did a great job as John Gruden. We had the fake, he had that big toy ring on. Win, 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 buy, win, win. And then he's doing other people, right? Yeah. It's a collage. Andy Reid was in there. And then he'd come back to Gruden. Win, win. And then, and like the final part of it was. Seven, 18, what was it, 16 or 17? Six, 16 and 0, oh, man. 16 and 0, oh, man. Win, do you have it? Uh, let me see. It's going to be a YouTube video, so we'll give it a second. There might be an ad. All right. No, it's not. Win, win. We're playing, doesn't matter. Here we go. All right, going over the schedule. Andy Reid. Whatever. Hold on to the home jersey. Yeah. Let's see, what do we have here? Win, 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 win. I don't give a rat's f- who are Bruce playing. Harris. Doesn't matter when, where, place. Just bring them to us. We go to them. Do whatever f- we got to do to just knock their f- blocks out. Well, we pretty much play everybody exactly the same way. So, Belichick. Preparation doesn't matter. You guys want me to memorize the schedule for all thirty-two teams? Done. Okay. I've been thinking about it a lot in the shower. I have been. Jerry Jones. Adam Gates. Quiet. Win, win, buy, win, 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 win. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take them down and and knock their blocks off. (laughs) Win, win, win. 16 and 0, man. His Gruden is the best. Downy, I like your style. Um, I loved working with Gruden. I did. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'll always. John was some of the best TV of my career. Doing the Silver and Black show with John Gruden was a lot of fun. Um, point is, that doesn't play in baseball. And everybody keeps wanting to play. Well, the Rays start. Oh, look at the schedule. The Pirates. Look at the schedule. We play for six months playing the schedule game, who you played, who you haven't. Most teams, most teams will not have great records against teams that are 500 or better. And teams that are 500 or better, when they play teams that are 500 or better, usually they're around just 500. It is very rare that a team goes out and just kicks the crap out of everybody. 
it's just it, it's just the way the sport works. You play every day for six plus months. No one's going to dominate every day, every week, every month. Doesn't work that way. So it really doesn't matter. Who won the World Series last year? Oh, the Astros. Uh, how did the A's do against the Astros? Uh, not great. We swept them one series. Oh, I meant overall, yeah, but we did sweep them. It was only, I think it was the only time the Astros got swept. We lost 102 games and we swept the yeah. Astros last year. Does, did, what, did, did that hurt the Astros that we swept them? I uh, know. The Dodgers won 111 games last year. What team couldn't they beat? The I mean, Pirates. They were 1-5 versus the Pirates last year. It, it doesn't matter. You play who's on your schedule, and you play, and you add it up at the end of the year, and let's go. So these guys now who want to play the NFL schedule game, you really want, well, look who they've played. Who cares? They're on the schedule. You play who you play. Yeah, it's uh, I'd rather win than lose against bad teams. So me beating up on bad teams, that's advantage me. Because in our sport, correcting or any sport, the most wins are the teams that play in the playoffs. Uh, yes. Is that right. still something? Yeah. Well, if I hammer the bad teams and I play 500 against the good teams, there's a good chance I'm going to the playoffs. So all these schedule people now in baseball want to go, ah, they haven't played anybody. What does that mean? So It doesn't mean anything. You have to do well against the bottom feeders. Unfortunately, us – Teams need to win a series against us. Losing a series against us is bad news and can dramatically affect you at the end of the year when we talk about are you making the playoffs or not? Where are you seated? Are you home? Are you away? Are you playing are you playing this short series at home or away? Those series against teams like the A's and the Royals in Detroit matter. Just the way the sport works. So I it, you're you're I'm going to say, tell anybody, I said, you're an idiot if you're talking the schedule game. Well, this all stems from what people were saying about the Rays when they started out hot. By the way, they're up 6-3 right now on the Astros, and they haven't lost at home. They're going to be, they could be 14-0 if they hold on. Uh, they're 5-2 and two versus uh, teams that are 500 or greater this year. This all st- and then today, I kept saw, I saw the power rankings. The Pirates now have the second best record in Major League Baseball. They're 16-7 in first place in the NL Central, and I saw the, well, they swept the Rockies, and they played, they swept the, the Reds. Last time I checked, the Pirates have the number one pick in the draft this year. They aren't the Dodgers from last year to won 111 games that are beating these bottom feeders. They're a team that was supposed to be bad again that's playing well above their expectations and they're nine games over. So when you're telling me about how they're going to do, who cares? They're having a great start to the year. Are we, are we, are we saying Baltimore's not good because they're 14-7 and seven and they've, they're 4-5 and five versus 500 teams? No. We're just looking at – we're trying to pick – Problems with teams that are playing well that, that we didn't see, that the national people didn't see playing well, like Tampa, like Tampa Bay getting off the start there. Tampa Bay's good. I mean, they have a home run in 48 straight games. That record, I don't know if that's – or they have uh, a home run in 22 straight games. They have 48 as a team. They haven't hit one yet tonight, so let's see if they can keep that going. But, yeah, I'm over the schedule game. We're only, what, um, four weeks into the season, if that. It's kind of uh, – because we know from our sports talk radio days, we know how the schedule game works. Oh, well, let's look at the you know the Niners, you know, hear this, and the Raiders, that. It's like, huh. yeah, it works in football, but baseball, there's 162 games. Let's worry, not worry about it in April. Yeah. A interesting article has come out about the Coliseum ba- Bay Area News Group. It's just been sent to me about uh, Oakland Coliseum site and finances. 
Very interesting. Can't read it all while we're on air, but uh, very interesting. Yeah, playing the schedule game is 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 it's just wrong. It's wrong. Well, how are they doing against bad teams? Well, you need to do well against bad teams. If you want to win a hundred games, you have to do well against bad teams. Play five hundred against the good teams, hammer the bad teams, and you're going to win ninety plus games, if not a hundred. What was the year that the A's went eighteen and one versus? Or whatever it was against Houston, or seventeen. They went like two. fourteen and two against the Astros, yeah. something like that. And one year, the the Guardians beat Detroit. Like it was, a, they won eighteen of nineteen games a couple years ago. Yankees against, against the Orioles. Yeah, they, yeah, that was nineteen yeah. where they completely owned them. But no one was saying anything about it then. But it doesn't project anything for the playoffs because the playoffs, we already know. Once you get in, it's shake them dice and roll them. I mean, you have no it's idea. It's a crapshoot, as they say. It is a total crapshoot. <laughs> you have no idea. B- Billy likes to keep the money on the field. I think we need to. I think we need to get that one next. For Billy likes to keep the money on the field. It's. I mean, but the playoffs are a crapshoot, so they totally are. Wait, I don't remember you putting your mortgage on Philly before it all started. Uh, no. I'm not a gambling man anyway. But if you were a gambling man, you weren't putting your money on Philly. I didn't even think Philly's make the playoffs. They stunk. They stink now. What's their record right now? By the way. World Series They're hangover. only a couple games. Oh, by the way, Philly's bullpen's been hot. They're, t- they're 11 and 12. Yeah, yeah, but after their start, look out for the fighting. Minus 10 run differential. Come look on. at that. Oh, they, oh, what's their record versus teams that are 500 better? They're 2-7. and seven. Yeah, and they're going to get one of the best first basemen in the history of baseball back. That's true, and we're not talking about Reese Hoskins. We're talking nope. about Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. How easy is it to play first? It's incredibly hard. No, it's <laughs> not. It's easy. It's absolutely easy. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live from the studios in San Francisco. I know I've said this a lot, but I'll continue to say it. I have covered a lot of people who have worn the green and gold. I've covered guys that were playing for the green and gold when I wasn't even alive. I've now gotten to know them over the years. I've been around this for a long time, and I'll continue to say it. He is one of my all-time favorites and I can't tell you, Johnny Gomes, how excited I was. You know, they, you know, when they get us ready for what's going to happen on the TV schedule, and you know, I'm always in here when Brody's not here. And they told me that you were going to do it. I was like, right on. Yeah, like the perfect guy for it. Side by side with Townsy. We ride again, the Johnny and Townie show. We do. Let's get it in. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's good to be back. Um, Baseball is all I know, man. Baseball is all I know, so I'm not playing anymore. Of course, those cleats are definitely hung up. But uh, let's talk ball. Well, you know, we I've mentioned it plenty of times with you that, you know, a guy that we're both close with, Bob Melvin, had so yeah. much respect for you that Bob Melvin said, I see him as a manager. And we've talked about that multiple times with Bob, and I've mentioned it to you. First of all, what does that mean to you when truly one of the best managers of his time? I mean, Bob Melvin's won manager of the year in both leagues. I mean, the success that he's had, uh, looking to get that first ring. But the respect he has in the business is unbelievable. The fact that he didn't have you for, like, years and truly saw what your leadership quality are, leadership qualities are and the man that you are, that he thinks you could be a great manager in this game. 
Yeah, it means a lot coming from that guy. Like you mentioned, manager of the year multiple times. But I think there's a lot he does outside of the limelight. A lot he does in the clubhouse, on the plane, on the bus, allows you to get the best out of you. And I think more than anything, he just puts you in situations that you will shine in. And if you're not in a situation, door is always open to Bob Melvin. Well, plenty of times I was in his office doing the Bob Melvin show, and you would have people come in, and like I wasn't even there, right? And, and we, we all know when I'm around, especially back in the day when I wasn't working for the A's and I was just working for 95.7, that everybody kind of knew what was said. I was never going to turn around and go to the air with that. So people would come in and say stuff as I was sitting on the couch, and it, was, it just goes to show we don't know the everyday basis, the heartbeat, the problems, the issues. You guys are human beings. You've got wives, you got girlfriends, you got parents, you got kids, you got friends. There's issues going on. And the one guy that's got to kind of make everything work and go well, I always say he sits at the front of the plane, he sits at the front of the bus, he's a leader. That's the manager. That is the manager. That's the heartbeat of the whole thing. That's the captain of the ship. And at the same time, The captain of the ship isn't someone you always go to when something's wrong, right? So he also has these little branches underneath him to get the heartbeat of the whole clubhouse and allowed me to just, like, run range in the clubhouse and allowed me to police a lot of things that might have been a little bit a lot at the time for a player, but that's what he needed at the time. I mention all the time a guy that came over to us from the Boston Red Sox that needed policing, and I think he really helped his career, was Josh Reck. You played a very, I've said before, you kind of had your thumb on red as there was times that you needed to kind of pull him back, but you had to let him be him. But I think there's no question what you did for his career really helped him after you left and then take him all the way through Houston. Yeah, that's one of the things as like a leader and a clubhouse guy is, you know, you never want the credit, right? You got to let that player have the credit. But at the same time, it's not really a train track way of playing or a train track way of coaching. But not only was there, you know, Josh Reddick, but guess who else we found was Josh Donaldson. Very interesting <laughs> personality. <laughs> Love right. J.D. Yeah. Even uh, Cespedes coming over, right? And Cliff Pennington and Derek Norris. And, I mean, that team in the 2012, a lot of guys branched out, but a lot of guys didn't really have the direction at such a young age in their career. And I'm just blessed to be able to help them help them out and get in their way. And, man, they took off and were really, really successful. Yeah, when I think of that about that year – we just mentioned it yesterday because, you know, a lot of people are trying to poo-poo the starts like, oh, the Rays are not that good. I don't believe in the Pirates. I'm like, you know what? That's part about the being a romantic in sports is enjoying as a sports fan. I brought up two teams, and you'll understand this being a Bay Area guy. I say the We Believe Warriors. Yep. No one gave them a chance. Out of nowhere, they make the big trade. Next, you know, they're in the playoffs. They knock off the Mavericks, who were the number one seed. We'd never seen that before. And the 2012 Oakland Athletics. Yep. No one believed in the 2012 A's. No one believed even when the A's got hot starting in June. But that's what we love about sports because you never know. Yeah, there, there's no algorithm for that. There's no past. There's no this. But the one thing I learned is, you know, I was on that 08 Tampa season team. Yeah. Uh, won the division with the Reds. Wasn't supposed to happen. 12, 14 Oakland Athletics was a little more talented of a team. Went to the wild card, of course, 13 uh, World Series. And, again, the Royals in 2015. But the one thing I learned is, like, you can't panic, right? It's not the best of start, but you can't panic. And it takes a while for a team sometimes to create an identity, 
right? And the identity comes with like reps and success. So the success hasn't been there like right away. And what was our 2012 identity? Well, believe it or not, we were walking off, it seemed like, every time at home, right? <laughs> yeah. We really were, and which made us believe we were always in the game and we were always going to be exciting late. Is that the best identity to have is to walk off? Not really, right? You want some starting pitching. You want some homers, all this stuff. But we able to ride that, and there has to be something that the Oakland Athletics this year can create an identity around. And I think about Mark Kotze, and what's tough is is Mark Kotze obviously has the respect for what he's been as a coach for the Oakland Athletics as a longtime player, 17 years in the big leagues and some great years with the A's. But he knew going in last year was going to be a year coming out of a lockout. It was, you know, you're going to use a lot of players. He was 64 guys. And then here you're off to a bad start. So tell us what it's like when you're trying to establish a culture, but you're not winning and you're utilizing a lot of guys, how do you develop that culture in a clubhouse? Well, it starts with, you know, he's probably got 12 to 15 guys developing their career while in the big leagues. Granted, it's not AAA. Granted, it's not, you know, AA. There's a lot of guys getting their first crack. We always say as a player, it's about like 1,500, 2,000 at-bats until you know what you're going to get. So that's why it's going to be peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, and you really have to praise the peaks, and you have to get them out of the valleys as soon as possible. That's tough to do. It is tough to do, and it takes the whole coaching staff. It takes the players. It it just takes the whole group to get together. I heard this about a manager that he has words in spring for everybody. If he doesn't live by those words throughout the entire season, it really changes how the players feel about him. So when I say that to you, how how important truly is it that the guy at the top and what Mark Kotze is going to say right now, he sticks to his guns no matter what happens throughout the years based on his rules, the environment he wants. Kind of like that teacher, the minute the class gets squirrely, if you don't take care of it. Yeah, that's it. You definitely want these young guys to have a long leash, but with a long leash comes a lot of mistakes. Right, So it's not really the iron fist clat down on the mistakes. There has to be coaching moments in all these bad mistakes. It's like, oh, oh, you know. So not so much punishing the player as much as being more hands-on. Educate them of why. Educate them of what the other team's doing to you. And at the end of the day, there's so many young ball, ball players on this team. Well, guess what? That's so many more opportunities for Rookie of the Year. That's so many opportunities to shock the world. Boom! So it's like there's no excuses. Oh, we're young, you're young. Well, yeah. yeah, well, we got the most odds for rookie of the year. Let's get one. Yeah, I, 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 I want my guys and what I want from this team right now, I want bold. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, I'm still frustrated Ruiz hasn't stole that many bases. I want, like, when Ryan Noda, he's been picked off before, but Ryan Noda's aggressive. I want everybody aggressive. Right. Be aggressive. If you're going to make mistakes, so what? My God, we're 5-19. We're and 19. Yeah. Do whatever. I mean, balls out every game, all day. This game is about winning. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. I hope that's the message inside the clubhouse. Yeah, that's how it's got to be, like pass balls. Pass balls suck. But I want that pass ball to go to the backstop on a fly, right? If you're going to airmail a ball from second base, shortstop, third base, I want it in deck four, (laughs) right? If you're going to strike out, well, I want two foul homers that were almost fair and we have something to go on. And then steal it. It's like someone handing you 10K of their money and saying go to Vegas and – Hang with them. You're going to make some silly decisions because it's not your money, and that's how they got to play is the house money. The first time I met you was I was auditioning 
for ESPN Radio in Los Angeles. Every day is an audition. And yeah, I was <laughs> and, every damn day. And I was, I was. They were the Angel Station, so I was there at the Big A. You at the time, you're not going to remember this, but you were a Devil Ray sure. at the time. And I remember we interviewed you, and the amount of people that you had in left field. I remember what year this was. This is my before my kids were born, so it's got to be like 03 or 04. Yep. And all these people from Petaluma came down, and we were doing the show, and all they, they could, Johnny, they had this cheer, and it was Petaluma. 707 You remember seats. what I'm talking about, right? Yes, the area it was, And that was the first time we were like, this Johnny Gomes guy is really popular. Right. Uh, going back to your, de- I mean, you were a devil ray. Sure was. You, you knew what it was like to be on a team that was going to take its lumps. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, we were, and there was a lot of veterans that came in. And what I noticed, like, right away is these veterans wanted to come in and play well to get traded, which is par for course sometimes, but I didn't like that. Someone has to step up and want to do good for this org and get this org in the right direction. But with those veterans coming in, I learned a lot from these guys. My first big league spring training, I got Fred McGriff and Tino Martinez. (laughs) Let's go with that baseball IQ right there. So getting a little piece of the puzzle growing up in the AL East, right? You got the Yankees and uh, the Red Sox every single night, it seemed like. But, yeah, I mean, it was like thrown to the wolves. And then guess what? We look up one day and there's World Series painted on the grass in 2008. Like, oh, okay, this is how it's done. Uh, you, you learn. And, yep. and, by the way, how happy were you for the crime dog to get in the Hall of Fame? How about it? He deserved it. Way overdue. Way uh, overcooked. Like it, it, When people would criticize him and you're like, man, I don't know. I grew up in the 80s. Right. Right. This guy was hitting bombs for the Blue Jays. Then he was hitting bombs for the Padres. Then he was hitting bombs for the the Braves. He turned the Braves around. Yep. I mean, and helped them with their their championship. I mean, Fred McGriff was a and good defensively. Yeah, I remember them talking about. I think he had like 497 homers, and they're like, ah, he doesn't have 500. We that's the it. dumbest excuse I've ever heard in my and, life. And he missed the time because of the, the, the lockout. Yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 497 over 500? No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. But the, everyone knows the big helicopter Fred McGriff crime dog. And the, Tom, and the Tom Amansky videos that he claimed he never, Gosh. ever watched. But yeah. we saw that commercial on ESPN, especially yes. late around SportsCenter, over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. It was those times that you spent – that when when people talk about you, whether it's Boston, it's Kansas City, of course here in Oakland, something about you in the clubhouse, you, you, leaders. There's something that we, we we just can't say this guy's the leader. Well, some guys you just make a leader, and they're terrible leaders. What is it about you? When did you first know it that this is my role? This is who I am. Yeah, well, I found out real quick the biggest separation in players, and even when you go to like arbitration. When you go to arbitration and they're doing arbitration cases, the guy that goes to the postseason will win, always. I knew from Jump Street the business side of it and then the winning side of it. And then you had the really good player, but then you had the winning player. And I always wanted that winning player hung over Johnny Gomes and being that guy. And then once I got to Cincinnati after the World Series, no way to Cincinnati, I think 9, 10, and 11, um, I remember I was getting asked, questions that I once asked and I was like oh this is how it works right I mean year four year five year six year seven yeah. when does that happen I gotta know but when someone asks you a question that you remember asking and that you now have the answer for it was kind of like shoulders back a little more people were watching people want to learn all the stuff so 
Um, I grasped that opportunity, hence the fact I wanted more information. I never wanted a question asked to me that's like, ah, I don't know. We're going to have to go ask someone else. So I think right around that time, I became even more of a baseball rat and a stat rat and a history buff and everything. It took it all in. Well, and something that people need to realize about guys who are leaders, it's just not helping guys with, hey, this is your approach. This is how you hit. You got to help guys with money. You got to help guys with finding places. You got to help guys uh, with relationships. Like we said, there's human beings. I mean, you're helping these guys learn how to be big leaguers away from the field as much as on the field because there's a lot of sharks out there. Yeah, I tell you what, you know, one of the biggest things that I found was to be able to build a relationship with the teammate. Right. So what's that mean? Well, that means when there's a runner on third and zero outs and your buddy's in front of you and he strikes out like sure you want to get a hit, but you want to get a hit more to get that guy's head out of the sand. Right. When your buddy's on the mound and he just walks like three and you're in the outfield instead of like kicking rocks, put your head down. You're like, I am going to run through a wall to get my buddy off the mound. Right. Versus like, oh, here we go again. Another walk. And then, boom, that ball's right there and you didn't dive. Right. So just having that friendship. And of course, that happens in the clubhouse and that happens on the plane. But you have to build that. And I always thought all four major sports, when they talk post game after the Super Bowl, after the finals, after whatever it is, they always just go to this team, this team, not the best player, not this, the best team. So creating that relationship in the clubhouse, extremely important in all these great years that you had and championship years. What year do you look back as the best of your career? Wow. Um, there's a lot of individual moments, but, you know, from being the JUCO guy up ner- up north, the one thing is always like my first game, right? To be able to finally get a taste of big league baseball is at Yankee Stadium. David Wells on the mound, like, boom, we're here. Wow. You know, and then <laughs> finding out, like, no one cares except for you and your family. I mean, yeah. And this guy's really trying to get you out and all this stuff. Um, that was pretty cool. The first uh, finishing the season with a win. Right? There's only one team that gets to do that. And you think about it, like you haven't won since or you haven't lost since the following spring training. And you get that taste of the win throughout the whole offseason. Fortunate enough to do that twice. Uh, fortunate to share the clubhouse with a lot of future Hall of Famers, a lot of MVPs, a lot of rookies of the year. Um, and then, you know, at times, like unfortunate at times, become fortunate now, but moving around so much. I played for six teams. That can be tough. But getting a piece of pie from each six was able to get the knowledge that I have now. We never got to see up close the parades, but from afar, watching on MLB Network, it seems like you never got cheated in those two parades. I was in it to win it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was in it to win you it. You were pretty primed up in the Kansas City. Uh, when you got on stage in Kansas City, you were uh, you were raring to go. Yeah, good thing there's some tape of it because it was a little cloudy the next day. Yeah, no, I'm not that, gonna lie to you. <laughs> those are those are always funny because we we knew. Oh yeah, because yeah. there's still pictures that we put up there all the time. You know, the celebration in 2012, the final the final game, finally reeling in the Texas Rangers. How all the players with the wives and the girlfriends took the pictures, sure. and you're spraying people with the hose, and you're doing all that. And then all of a sudden, you guys all went away, and there I was up in the press box watching it, and I'm doing the post game show, and there was just a pyramid of those Bud Light aluminum cans and it? champagne. There was just, you guys had all left. And I'm just sitting there taking phone calls, and there's the pyramid of Bud Lights. And if you don't want to do that as a player, you're not in it for the right reasons. That only the winners get to do that, you know. And then winning, what I learned too, winning's the only anniversary in sports. You know, I mean, 
Think about all the batting titles. Think about the gold gloves. Think about the 10 consecutive gold gloves or the triple crown winners. There's no anniversaries for those. The only anniversaries are the pennant up in the outfielder behind home plate. It's fact. It's the only thing you really remember. That's it. Winning, winning, winning. Because all the other stuff is individual stuff. Yep. Uh, Luis Medina going tonight. You saw Mason Miller yesterday for the first time. Uh, Well, let's start with Miller. You had to be very impressed with what you saw. That, I mean, there's stuff, right? And that's what you want to look for out of a young guy. Stuff, of course, we're going to jump right to the velocity, right? But what makes a really good fastball, real, really good secondary fastball, that cutter I think is going to come. And if you have a really good fastball, you obviously have that arm speed, which is going to create really good off speed. So if you can start getting guys off that heater with a little of this and a little of that every once in a while. But, yeah, I mean, to get, you know, Kicked right in the butt with four runs right in the beginning with the mishap in center field, sitting down, coming back out, and then shoving the rest of the way. You know, it's good to see a little adversity in how he handled it. I mean, it's clear. It's God-given ability. Sure. Right? And it's not like he's huffing and puffing. I mean, it's pretty effortless 100 to 102. I mean, it's not grunting and, and snarling. He's just, that's just poof, letting it rock. Well, yeah, and if you go back to, um, you know, where he came from, this 100-mile-an-hour fastball is new for him. Yeah. Right? He has a huge velocity jump the last couple years, you know, figuring this out. Obviously a big kid. He's going from, what, like 150 pounds to 170 to 80, now sitting around 200. So this is also a new toy for him. So he's going to have to figure out how all this works. Now Medina's scouting report, same thing tonight. It's it's velocity that can sit 96, 97, jump all the way to 92. He's got a plus-plus curveball. He's got a changeup. For me, and I know it's easier said than done, and I'm just the I'm just the guy on your screen and on your radio every single day. I say the the boob who does the post game show, but my whole thing is when you talk about being simplistic today, when you say okay, this is where we want to attack. We know the fastball moves. We're not going to nibble. We're going to set up. Hell, I'll set up down the middle. And let the natural movement go. But the key for this kid today is he has to throw strikes because if he doesn't, he gets squirrely. You start walking, guys. Next thing you know, we're talking about two and two-thirds, X amount of walks, and you're out of the game. Talk about the strategy of saying, let's just be simplistic. We know what you're good at. Certain zones, we're going to stay in those zones to stay consistent. We're not going to be pitching all over the place and hang, just and nibbling on the corners. Just got to go out and be aggressive. And if they beat you, they beat you. Yeah, the one thing I've always talked about is, like, so you got the minor league, so A-ball, double-A, triple-A. You can go A-ball to triple-A, pretty big jump, but there's not a bigger jump from triple-A to the big leagues. That is absolutely the biggest level. And you want to know what really transfers from triple-A to the big leagues. It's different for everybody, right? He's going to step on that mound, and he's going to look around, and he's probably going to do some stuff he's never done before. So you have to have a little bit of a chain, but at the end of the day, he has to go to his strengths, right? When you start talking about, okay, Mike Trout hits this, Otani hits yes. this, he's never dealt with that before, right? He's never dealt with this huge advanced scouting report. So he has to start with his strengths, and what didn't really work out, then we'll have to, like, readjust. But just go out there, obviously, that high velocity strikes. You definitely don't want to get in, you know, a pitch count jam because we didn't really get to see what he had. I talk about competing inside the strike zone. Sure. It seems like a, y- a lot of young pitchers with these big arms are afraid to be inside the strike zone. That's where you start to see high strikeouts, but you see high walks. I always compare it to a golfer. It's like he makes a lot of birdies, but he makes a lot of bogeys. Sure. So they start to even each other out. To me today, hey, if you end up getting beat by 
Rimfro or Trout or Otani or who or whoever Neto, who's at the bottom of the lineup, but they can we know the kid can play. Who are, but get beat being in the strike zone and giving yourself a chance because the odds are Johnny, the odds still shit. No one hits five hundred. No, the odds are if you throw quality strikes, you will get outs. Yeah, and strike one is really important. Right? Yeah, and the one thing that I think can really benefit a young hitter along with a young pitcher is it's so foreign. Right? Not every fastball is the same. Not every 96-mile-per-hour fastball is the same. He can go 96, and as a hitter, you want to go in your rotodex and, like, what is it like? So the first two times through the lineup, these guys have never seen your fastball, never seen your slider, never seen the depth, never seen the late movement. So definitely attack them. Yeah, I got my, my gambling guys in Vegas from my old talk show that I used to bring on for football, basketball. They always said they always liked betting a team that was throwing a pitcher that a team has never seen before. Absolutely. I love the youth. And I love the youth in the late playoff races, and I love all that. I mean, in the 08 season, we had David Price come up, and then that 2012 season going down the stretch with five rookies, five starting rookies. Yeah, yeah I love the foreignness of a young player. And David Price, you remember, you know, out of Vanderbilt, the number one pick and everything. They didn't, you guys didn't start him. No. He was coming out. He was this – he's that role that I think – that we've seen with certain players. Miller did it with Cleveland. I mean, there's certain guys that have come out and they've just been electric out of the bullpen. They give you three, four great innings, and in the postseason, that's huge, and that's what David Price did for you guys. Yeah, David Price had a heck of a career, but yeah, that uh, ALDS and ALCS, he come out of the bullpen just one time through, get us nine outs, and the second you might know what he has, I mean, you start him with the fastball, then you start him with this, and then you start him with that, and then they can get a report on you, but we didn't allow him to get a report, right? So I love the foreignness of youth players when you look back at your time with the Rays that's when you guys started doing things differently yeah you have to you right have to but there but we, we we were all kind of like okay what is this shift in crap what is this yeah. stuff you know you started doing that as you said right before you guys started going to the World Series Joe Madden we looked at it as you know kind of like the crazy mad scientist you look at where baseball is now talk about what it was like when you guys actually were starting a lot of this yeah, I mean, again, that was like house money. Okay, so we got a runner on third, and we don't have the best contact guy at the plate. We got a young guy who doesn't really hit that well. How we can get this guy in? Bunt, right? Here comes the safety squeeze. We start to do that. And I remember in the very beginning, Aubrey Huff playing third base, and then now we're going to run him out there. <laughs> Aubrey Huff. Yeah. My old radio partner, Aubrey sure. Huff. And we're going to have four outfielders. Yeah. Home run in the seats. I go, unless you're putting an outfielder up on the catwalk, this isn't going to work. We still have to pitch, right? Yeah. But, yeah, like we did. We had house money, a lot of double steals. Uh, the safety squeeze, I think, became really important. It took a lot of the pressure off a young hitter. I was still trying to go to the fences. But other guys, you know, that safety squeeze and, again, the shift. So it's like some moves, some guys here and there. And we have house money. What if it beats us? Who cares? We got to get creative. And it worked. It did. And I'll tell you, big big minds behind all that, too. So let's not forget Don Zimmer. Don Zimmer was there. Don Zimmer, he he created a lot of that action. Did he? He never gets any credit. Nah, I love me some Don Zimmer. I sat by that guy every day and got stories. Oh, you think about one of the great careers. All right, so you and I are doing TV today. We'll wrap this thing up. Um, I don't know, like, long-term what, what your thoughts are, but from a media standpoint, I mean, we've already talked about how we know you could – the coaching and what, I mean, however you want to go after that path. What do you think about this path? I love this path. Like I said, I love the opportunity. I love breakdowns. Um, I love educating the fans. It's some of the best compliments I got. It's like, oh, I never knew that was happening, right? When the game slows down, 
it's not boring. There's a lot of stuff going on. Let's yeah. look at the signs like over here. Look at the the center fielder was on this side, and now he's on that side. And guess where he's going to pitch him? We'll just follow the center fielder. Like, oh, let's get a fake break at first to see who's covering on a first and third. Just cool stuff that I love gathering, and I love giving it back. Well, it's all the stuff you learned in the dugout, but not everybody learns that. No. Yeah. S- some people are students of the game. Some people just have the – I always say King Griffey Jr. didn't care who was pitching, never watched video. King Griffey just showed up and hit bombs and was King yeah. Griffey. Yeah, he was good from nine years old all the way to the end. <laughs> probably to, yeah. He could probably DH now. Yeah. After uh, you know, uh, rumors at WBC batting practice, he was out hitting everybody as the hitting coach of the WBC American Of course he team. was. Why wouldn't he? Of course he was. We got King Mike Gr- Trout videoing him. We <laughs> see who the GOAT is. Yeah. No, it's 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 I'm excited about today because, you know, a lot of people obviously we know what's going on, but you know, this is still the game that we love. We still have passion for it and we can go out and still present it to the public and and have a good time and 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 the thing is, you being from Petaluma, you growing up an A's fan, we all really know and it's the same thing with Dave Stewart, it's the same thing with Shooty Babbitt, it's the same thing with Pip Roberts. You guys all wore the A's uniform and you all grew up A's fans, so it, it means a little extra something to you. It does to me, too. I mean, I'm biased to that jersey. I'm biased, biased to the white cleats. I'm biased to the Coliseum. That's where it all started for me. My love for the game really kicked off in the 89 World Series. I can't forget about that. Right, Ricky Henderson sliding head first. I slid head first as much as I could because of Ricky. <laughs> and then why wouldn't I? Had that work out for you. Yeah, <laughs> a little here. But, uh, yeah, and then I thought it was really cool at a young age to hit a bunch of homers like the Bash Brothers. Uh, Carney Lansford getting ready, right? Like the pre-pitch, like boom, Mike Gallego doing this. So, uh, yeah, those guys grew me to be a player I was. Well, I can tell you one of my original experiences with Johnny Gomes was the flight to Japan on 2012 <laughs> where you had this jumbo jet double-decker, and we ran out of vodka. Yeah, I can't. I, I can honestly say I got drunk twice on that flight. Yeah, and they were telling us <laughs> twice. They, they're saying, "Do not drink. You got to hydrate because the time did." Well, yeah. Yep. Uh, we didn't take that advice. No. Yeah, and I didn't fly all the way to Japan to face King Felix either. By the way, jeez. And then to come back on opening day and face him again. Face him again. And we had you opening when we come back facing the Mariners. Yep. We had you. Already 0 for 2, yep. lost twice to Seattle, come back getting King Felix again. You did the pregame show with me and predicted this team would be in the playoffs, and everybody laughed. Good. Yeah, that's okay, right? But, I mean, you, you, do have to, you do have to have that mindset, right? And the one thing that I really brought that kind of stuck out with me is this was like a rebuilding year. I remember it was like this fake like construction tape, caution, like all this stuff. Like, how do you have a rebuilding at bat? Right? How do you pitch on a rebuilding team? Like, there's like you got to eliminate that, right? Like, we're here to smash balls, and we're here to score more runs than the other team. Numbers, sabermetrics, algorithms, blah, blah. But it boils down to whoever touches the dish more than the other team is going to win. So we just got to find some ways to do that. Now it's crazy. We talk about a lot of ways to win baseball games. Last time I checked, it hasn't changed. The team who scores more wins. Yeah. Fact. No matter how you do it, no matter how you figure out to score more yeah. and eliminate the other team from scoring, yep. that's the name of the game. Whether I throw a hundred, I was like, we were talking about it because we bring on Nino Saris, who's great at analytics. He's our national baseball columnist from The Athletic, and he's got his stuff plus. I'm like, well, Greg Maddox won, code it, 355? 355 games. Would Pretty Greg good. Maddox ever have been stuff plus? <laughs> no. 
I, I, I mean, mean, he wasn't throwing 100. He wasn't. Yeah. Tom yeah. Glavin. Yeah. And then, you know what? Sometimes you just got to will your way into it. Right? Sometimes it's not like talent versus talent. Sometimes you just, who wants it more that night? And I always, you know, tell these young guys and stuff, it's what are you going to do tonight to not lose? Because guess what? Who want, Everyone wants to win. Every fan wants to see a winning game. But what are you going to do to not lose? Are you going to run out that hard 90? Are you going to sacrifice your at-bat to maybe see more pitches? Right? The guy's got 80 pitches and he's going out for the sixth. Right? Well, we got to get him to 100. So maybe you have to take the first two or take the first three. You're sitting in a hitter's count 2-0, regardless that you have to take just to earn that other one. Right? You got to break up two. A lot of stuff. What are you going to do tonight to not lose? Well, in your career, you won World Series with two different teams. One was supreme power, supreme firepower, yeah. and then you won another World Series on a team that was supreme contact. You won it both ways. Yeah, you know what? That's one of the things I always bring out is a lot of a lot of people want me to compare the Red Sox team to the Royals team. Why wouldn't you, right? Like, what team was like better? And then I made it to the playoffs with a couple other teams, and also had some bad season. What I realized was winning teams are extremely different. The losing teams are all exactly the same. <laughs> right? Crap is crap, and crap. it all smells like crap. Yeah. The the Kansas City Royals, right? Yeah. It was like single, 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 yeah. single, 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 whatever. The Red Sox was like walk, walk, homer. Walk, walk, homer. The, uh, you know, Kansas City, we had that bridge. We had a six-inning guy, seventh-inning guy, eighth-inning, ninth-inning guy. You know, the Red Sox, we would our, our starters go deep. Totally different ways of stealing. It's totally different ways of winning. Totally different ways of scoring the dish. But when you go down to those last-place teams, highlight copy. I could do this all day with this man, and the reality is I am. We're going to do A's pregame live in just a little bit on NBC Sports California, and then uh, we'll be doing A's pregame live and postgame live uh, Thursday, tomorrow. Yep. Shohei Otani will be on the mound against J.P. Sears. So we're going to be doing a lot. Once again, I have the ultimate respect for you as a person, your career, what you did for us on A's Radio, what you do for us now on A's Cast, you know you'll always be one of the all-time A's fan favorites. Now for the first time, we're in the same dugout. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's one of our favorites, the manager of the Las Vegas Aviators. Fran Reardon is with us once again. Fran, how are you? Have you been since the last time we talked at spring training? <laughs> been great. You know, just... uh getting acclimated back to back to the season and traveling and now we're, we're, we're home for a straight week so we have an exciting series coming up here you know whenever we have you on or we have anybody on from vegas we realize you guys got great merch your merchandise your hats all the different unis and shirts you guys got a great selection down there 
Yeah, they set us up pretty good here. This this little orange thing I'm wearing, I could wear it as pajamas at night. It's so soft, so I love wearing this thing. And you know, I breathe well. There's a lot of a lot of positive to this shirt I got going on here. Well, obviously, some of your guys are starting to come up, and a player that's so interesting. You didn't have him a lot, Mason Miller. You just think about his story. My daughter is a type one diabetic, so I understand what he went through. He was diagnosed later. Than, than a lot of kids with juvenile diabetes and to know that uh, what he's gone through and how he's grown in our game and hasn't had a whole lot of time. But, man, just talk about what you saw with him and what you saw in that first start. It's it's pretty electric stuff. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Uh, you know, Mason's not only an inspiration to, you know, tens of thousands of young, young kids around the country and the world that have juvenile diabetes and how he overcame it, but – you know, you go to the baseball side of it and you talk about his mix, his fastball up to 102. He's got a, a wicked cutter that he's just starting to break out to hitters at 95, 96. He's got a pretty good breaker and a, a good changeup. And then you combine that with his command and his mound presence and the the ability to attack the strike zone with any pitch that he has. And he's a pretty special guy. And uh, let me tell you about that start he had here in, in Vegas where, you know, he pitched five innings. He struck out 11. Yeah. He didn't walk anybody. It was just something special to watch. Probably one of the best starts I've ever seen in my career. Yeah, because to have somebody with that kind of stuff throw strikes, I mean, you've seen a lot of guys who throw really hard and are just, you know, blessed with a God-given arm, but they don't always know where it's going. I mean, the fact that he has it and throws strikes is just rare. Yeah. Yeah. It's very rare. And it, you know, it goes to his, his delivery. He's got a simple delivery that he's able to repeat. His arm is on time for all, all four of his pitches. And when you have that kind of stuff and you're able to repeat that often, good things are going to happen. And he, uh, he knows he needs to compete in the strike zone and he's always going to do that. You know, with these, and, and how do you handle it when you have these young pitchers who have unbelievable stuff, but they just struggle to throw strikes. And if you're walking, guys, it's a recipe for disaster. I mean, what we got coming up here with Luisa Medina, I mean, it's the same thing. You walk, guys, you're going to be in trouble. How do you handle that at the AAA level? Well, you know, there, there's a lot of things that we can we can try to address with guys that have elite stuff, elite, elite velocity, but they don't have that command yet. And it's just, uh, again, having Brian Corey, our pitching coach here, just try to work with them on being able to repeat their delivery. And that's the most important thing because if your arm's not on time, you're not going to know where the ball is going. Um, there's other things we ask as far as are setting up. You know, some guys that aren't with their community can set up on the edges. Doesn't really, you know, if this tough hits, so a lot of we're having you know, Tyler or McCann or Pozo set up middle-middle as opposed to these just give uh, a So there's a variety of things that we can try to do here, but at the end of the day, it's all going to be about the, the pitcher's ability to repeat his delivery. And, uh, you know, that's always the goal here, not only with guys that have the, the elite velocity, but with everybody. Because if you can repeat, if you can throw strikes, if you can compete in the strike zone and limit walks, your chances of success are, are much greater. Is there also sometimes where you just got to get into a guy's dish and let him know, hey, you need to go out there and stop nibbling, and you need to go out there and you need to compete, and you need to go after these guys, and you've got to have the confidence that you can throw strikes inside the strike zone. 
that you can you can battle in the strike zone and get people out because sometimes I think too many times with young pitchers we see too much nibbling. Yeah, and and it's it's something that especially here in in Las Vegas's environment, you know, you got the thin air, you have altitude, you have a desert climate, and the ball's gonna the ball's gonna go. So guys, you know, whether it's on purpose or not, they they tend to shy away from the heart of the plate and that's where they end up struggling with their command. They miss off the edges and then they get themselves into to bad counts. And unfortunately it's where all the damage happens when you have to throw a pitch right over the plate. So, you know, it, it's something that we, we've uh, addressed since the, since day one of the season. It's something we're going to continue to address. Now I got to think, we know how tough it is to pitch down there. Like if you're throwing the ball really well and you've got terrific numbers, how does that translate? Like, how well are you throwing? If you've got really good numbers with AAA Las Vegas and playing in the altitude and the thin air, just how good are you going if you do have good numbers? I, I think the, the numbers speak for themselves. When you have very good numbers, whether it's your WHIP, whether it's your ERA, whether it's your FIP, whatever the, the standard is that people are looking at to evaluate you, if you have good numbers in the PCL, especially with Las Vegas being your, your home field, you're, you're doing something right. And that's usually not walking people competing in the strike zone. They go hand in hand and it's, it's regardless of stuff. It's regardless of velocity. It's just your ability and your confidence to compete in that strike zone. And I, I tell these guys all the time, a good pitch here is still a good pitch. A well-located fastball is still a well-located fastball. And, you know, if you buy into that, if you have confidence that, that what you have is better than what the hitter has, you will have success. Tyler Soderstrom, obviously we're waiting for the day that he gets his call up and he gets a chance to play up here in the big leagues. We've all kind of watched him grow from a high school kid, uh, you know, just seeing him down at spring training. Shoulders got bigger. He got taller. He's grown into that frame. Uh, so far, what do you see in there with him? I know he had a little time with you last year. But uh, what are you seeing so far? Well, he's off to a great start. I mean, his his bat is is flat out got thunder in it. Uh, the way it comes off, how hard he consistently hits the ball. Uh, now for Tyler, it's just a matter of refining his approach. You know, we talked a little bit a few days ago when we when we were in Sugarland about the cat and mouse game of of performing at the next level, where he you know he homered and doubled the first game in Sugarland, and then the next night he struck out four times because of the way they attacked him. So I, I said you always have to you always have to combat the cat and mouse game and understand what opposing pitchers are trying to do to you, how they're trying to get you out, and lay off the pitch that are trying to get you chased. So you find yourself in those good counts. And when Tyler finds himself good counts and he gets his pitch, he squares it up nine times out of ten. So he's he's a special bat and his catching's coming along nicely. He's really developing well. When you when you watch a player like that, what is it like for you as a manager that as you watch him grow, there is going to be that point to where you go, yep, he's ready. Well, just take us through that when you're watching a player, you know he's going to be special or he has an opportunity to be special at the next level. And as you're watching, there's that point hits and you go, yep, it's time he's ready. You know, that's a great question. Um, I've, been, I've been with Tyler in limited uh, opportunity since 2020 at the old site in San Jose. Yeah. And, you know, that's right after we drafted him, and he was very raw defensively. And, 
you know, he had a lot of chase in him and a lot of swing and miss because he's so gifted with his bat to ball skills. He can hit a lot of different pitches. Um, and then to see him come up at the end of last year and not be, not be phased at all about the, the jump in competition from double A AA to triple A to see him perform in major league spring training this season and the start he's gotten off to, you know, you, you, you remember the times three years ago where he was struggling or, you know, had deficiencies in certain areas, offensively, defensively, and then you watch kind of grow over the last three years and what he's doing now, he's really close. And when, when he gets there, he's going to be an impact guy because of the bat. And it's, uh, it's part of the, the really fun process of watching these guys develop kind of right in front of your eyes. You know, one of the players you got, Cody Thomas, is a guy that I've liked a lot, knowing just, you know, his history and being a two-sport guy kind of takes away from your baseball, also takes away from your football when you can't commit to just one because you're so good at both. And obviously he ended up choosing baseball in the end. But we all know if you're going to a program like Oklahoma and you're going to play quarterback at Oklahoma, you are a highly touted high school player, you're going to have size. You're going to have the arm. You're got, I mean, under Lincoln Riley's offense at the time, you're going to be able to run. You're going to be able to throw. You're a special athlete, and it takes time once you fully commit to baseball. And looking at the numbers, obviously the numbers can be inflated, but I just think from an athletic standpoint, this kid is a premier. He's not a kid anymore, but to us he's a kid. He's a premier athlete. There's no question about it. Do you think at some point we could see – that light go on and that his athleticism, the tools that he's, you know, God-given ability that he's been given can then translate at the highest level here playing baseball? Well, I, I think the light already has gone on for, for Cody, and it started in 2021 when, you know, he was one of the most productive players in the PCL and then had an unfortunate Achilles injury, you know, missed the last six weeks of, of the season, and then at the end of the year he was still in the top ten of every offensive category in the PCL, you know, the, the Achilles injury took a lot out of him. You know, he came back last year and, you know, when he came here to, to Las Vegas at the end of the season, you could tell that he didn't have the explosiveness that he had in 21. Uh, he didn't have that a- a- athleticism that you're, you're speaking of right now. And he, he wasn't able to, to get off his ace wing. And this year is uh, like what I'm what I saw in 2021. You know, you, you look at the numbers. He has you know 26, 27 RBI. He has seven home runs. He's doing damage. He's having great at bats. He's playing a really good outfield wherever we put him. And Cody's just a guy that, that just does everything right all the time. He's got tremendous work ethic and discipline, and cares about his body and cares about doing all the little things right. And the the production is is definitely there and. I think Cody's going to going to have a great major league career. Yeah, and I know I talk about him all the time and and we had him for a brief time last year and he struggled a little bit. I'm sure A's fans are like, "Why do you keep talking about this guy? Can you back me on this friend? This guy is like a really good athlete." I am 100% with you on this one, Chris. I I think he's he's going to be a really nice player and uh you know, provide a lot of power in the middle of the order sometime when he gets his opportunity because the 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 athleticism, the the uh, electricity when the ball comes off his bat is really, really special. Jordan Diaz is just 22 years old. I know he got the great experience in the WBC. I think that was great for whatever players got to, to got to participate in that. 
just when you look at him, you've had him now for a while, and we got him up here now. How good of a hitter do you think he can be? Uh, he's, he's kind of like a savant in the batter's box. You know, I, I, I don't know how you would game plan to pitch to Jordan Diaz. You can try to get him to chase. If he's in, you know, a mode where he's swinging and pitches out of the zone, you can get him. But if you make a mistake over the over the plate or even sometimes away from the plate, he can make you pay in so many different ways. He, he uses the whole field. Um, he can hit velocity. He sees spin and, and hits spin well. He's just a, a very, very, very good hitter. And you, you just don't see the, that kind of bat-to-ball skills on an everyday basis. And I, I really hope he continues his hot streak up there. You had Rosinski, and obviously he just threw the ball real well for five innings. I mean, very, you know, kind of sad. He comes over, and you're expecting to be in the rotation. He got a hamstring issue as a pitcher. But what did you see in him before he came back up here? You know, he started off a little bit slow. He only had a couple of couple three starts with us. He started off a little bit slow and then progressively got better. Drew's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. So, he, you know, whether it was rehab or his throwing program or his plyo program, the guy's a hard worker and he's very mentally tough. You know, you look at his journey, what he's been through in his career, where he's been in his career. I actually managed against Drew in 2012 in independent ball. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah That's uh, awesome. I had to go to Wikipedia to find that one out, but it, that was an interesting little fact. Um, you, you know, Drew, Drew is he's throwing the ball well. He had five scoreless innings uh, against Sugarland a few days ago, and uh, he, he's ready to come and help the A's win. All right, I do that hit in every single game in the fifth inning where we take a look around the minors, brought to you by State Farm. And I'm talking about you guys every single day. Who are some players you would like to highlight telling A's fans – Watch out. These guys could be coming soon. Well, I think you hit on a couple of them and Tyler and Cody. Um, you know, Zach Geloff is getting comfortable at this level and he's having good at-bats and he's playing playing good defense at second base. Um, Nick Allen has had good, good, good at-bats since he's come down. Um, of course, the Oakland fans already know him fairly well. Uh, Trent Brooks is a guy who's really swinging the bat well and he's hit for power. He's hitting for average. He's also playing a good outfield. Um, so those are those are three guys that I think have really impressed so far, Chris. And just I, I don't know if you got to see it, but uh, this Maggi guy, 33 years old, Drew Maggi with Pittsburgh, uh, you know, from, went to Arizona State, signed, drafted in 2010. We've talked so many times about, you know, the highlight of, of your gig is to tell these guys for the first time they're going to the big leagues. It's so, so special. I know how much it means to you. Did you hear about this story and get to see any of it on Twitter, what it probably meant to tell a guy who's 33 years old, you're going to the big leagues for the first time? I did. I, I saw the video, and, uh, you know, if that doesn't make your, your heartstrings tug, then you're not human because just the, the visceral emotion that, that he, he had when, when his manager told him he was going up, you know, all the, all the struggle and all the perseverance and all the hard work and all the – the people that probably said, when are you going to stop doing this and get on with your life? And the fact that after 12 seasons in the minor leagues, he's getting his opportunity. I mean, that's as special as it gets. All right, let's end on this. Probably the most important thing I'm going to ask you about our Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia. We got the draft coming up here in Kansas City on Thursday. Uh, what do we need to do for our Buffalo Bills? What, what do we need in the draft? 
I think we need an impact receiver to give uh, to give Josh Allen a little bit of help, maybe an offensive lineman or two. And then I'd love to see an elite pass rusher just to put some pressure on the opposing quarterback. But I'm not the GM. Those are just my my rudimentary thoughts from from afar. Well, may, may, maybe he should call you and get some help. I mean, your friend Rin, for God's <laughs> sakes. <laughs> I'll keep my phone on. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. I, I was so fo- – I, I think I told you this at spring training, but I followed Josh Allen at the AT&T at Pebble Beach. And it was amazing seeing, like, and there was a bunch of quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers played in front of him, right? There was a bunch of quarterbacks. It's amazing how big, without gear, how big he is. And you think about the way he rep. I mean, we've seen a lot of big quarterbacks, but they stand in the pocket, right? Peyton Manning, 6'5". Allen, for the for for watching on TV and watching his, seeing his size and then standing next to him, really knowing how fast he is, I couldn't believe it how big he is up close. Yeah, and that's that's what makes him fun to watch. I mean, he's 6'5", 255, and he's a freight train coming at you. I can't, can't imagine him being very fun to tackle, even if no. you're a, a pretty big linebacker. So it's part of the part of the fun and watching Josh Allen, the way he competes and the way he just flat out isn't afraid to run somebody over. Yeah, at quarterback, it's awesome. He's a special. Yeah. And by the way, he swings out of his you-know-what off the tee. <laughs> Doesn't always that big. You got to let it eat. Yeah, he doesn't know where it's going, but when he gets it, it was he bombed it. I was like, you know what? I I I could play with this guy, no question. (laughs) Hey, friend, we always love having you on the program. We'll check in again soon. Good luck to you and the Aviators, and be well. All right, thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure. That's one of our favorites, right there, Fran Reardon, leader of men. Fran Reardon. The Aviators are playing well. They started out slow, and they're playing a lot better now. It's been said. I didn't say it. I mean, we steal the line, but he was the manager of the greatest offensive team in the history of baseball. No matter what your data says, the truth is they were the greatest offensive team in major and in, in, not major league baseball in baseball history. That was 2019, right? Las Vegas. Indians. Move over, Ruth and Gehrig. So not everybody would be storming Vince Catronio for autographs. Oh it's God. like having Justin Bieber. Uh, <laughs> When you're very big uh, and bald, Justin Bieber. Yes, it's it's like it's like the you're the Arizona version of of Justin Bieber here. Uh, so Katze went long. What 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 was Katze being asked? Well, there was discussion about game first game back since the announcement of the teams. Uh, and it's a ama- direction toward Las Vegas. We just we just we just said it's ridiculous. These guys have nothing to do with it. Right, and he, but he he explained you know. The joy that the fans have brought, you know, that he remembers playing games where the place was shaking at its foundation. He knows that. It's, we all know that. We, we have a game to do. That's our job. You have no control over right. it. I have no control right. over it. And we just keep trying. And I don't want to be insensitive. I just want to keep drilling into people. We have a job that we have to do. And our job is still to cover this team. Right. And, and to that point, the two major subjects that were discussed were the curtain is lifted today on Drew Rosinski. We've been waiting for this veteran who this rotation certainly needs. You project a guy that can go deeper in games than what we've seen. He projects to throw more strikes than what we've seen. Strike thrower. Uh, <laughs> and we'll see how that plays out. And he had talked about the story that during the COVID year, even though baseball didn't start till July, the KBO was underway on time, and their opening night was on ESPN, and the guy that was pitching – on TV was Drew Rosinski. So, you know, 
He's had a lot of success over there. He knows, he'll be the first to tell you, the KBO is not the big leagues. But he's in a better place. Uh, he's a veteran. He's stronger. He's got five pitches. And we'll see how this plays out. And the other conversation was about a much-needed return to some players in the lineup, and that is that begins with Ramon Laureano. And Ramon likely will be activated tomorrow. He's flying back today. Had a good rehab game yesterday. We all saw it was 3-for-3 three three for Las Vegas. So... As we've talked, as the season has unfolded and the struggles have been there, you're doing so without you know, your three and four hitters in the lineup. Seth Brown is still weeks away. He's just taking dry swings and starting to throw. You're, you're missing Rosinski and Blackburn, who are at, projected to be at the front of your rotation. You're missing you know, Jimenez and, and Trevor May, who are expected to be you know, back end of the bullpen guys protecting leads. And when, when you're a team that was already going to be challenged in a lot of ways and you're missing those significant pieces – that's part of why, it's not the only reason, but it's part of why the A's are 5-21. and 21. Uh, And he also lamented uh, the defense has to get better. And not by saying make the extraordinary play, make the routine play. We need more ordinary plays made. Yesterday the A's had opportunities to turn double plays that they did not turn. They gave the opposition extra outs. That's just not a place the A's can be right now. Yeah, little things turn into big things. Yeah. And that is really hurt the A's and when you start talking about going into a season and there's a lot of ifs if this goes well and we talked to David Force about this earlier today about all the ifs going well okay you you got a shot problem is a lot of ifs haven't gone their way and that's why we're we're, why where we're at well take for example the series against the Angels four games I think it's fair to say three of them were competitive the A's won the first game Wild game back and forth. They won 11-10. Second game, they lost but uh, 5-3, something like that. Then, or, or the second or the third game was the 16-3 game, which, is the, which we've seen too many of, you know, where the team has allowed too many big innings, and that's something they've got to be better at. I think it's the 10th time they allow 10 or more runs or the 11th time they allow 10 or more runs in a game. Well, I can tell you it's the thir- – they've now 30 <laughs> times have had an inning of three or more right. runs given up. Yeah, the big inning, and that was discussed on, on – the manager show, which you'll hear on the pregame later. How do you how do you avoid that? And part of it's just making those plays that we just that we just discussed. So uh, then you know, yesterday uh, the A's were down five nothing against a guy that looked like I mean it was perfect game alert, perf- perfect game alert, let alone no hitter alert. With the way it was, we had not seen Otani with this new sweeper, which breaks about this much. I mean, talking to the hitters today about facing that pitch, it was crazy what what he was able to do with that. And, you know, hardly throwing the fastball anymore, like 25% of the time. Oh, by the way, he's got 98 in his back pocket. So what he has morphed into as a pitcher is going to be really uh, interesting to watch unfold as the year plays out. So then they score the four, the five runs, tie the game, had a chance to even get more in that inning, and suddenly he reared back with the fastballs and got out of it with the strikeout. And then the A's had the chances later and just couldn't get the big hit, couldn't get the ball in the air when had a guy at third base with less than two outs. Those are things they have to get better at. If they, if they get better at that, then you have a chance to, to win that game. And right now, this club does not have an expectation of winning. They're just, they're just not there. And they're facing teams like the Angels that have that expectation. And there will come a time this year, hopefully sooner as opposed to they're later. They're going to win at some point. That, there that will they'll be have, some wins. They'll have some of that, that confidence going throughout the lineup. And you'll see contributions one through nine instead of just waiting for Brent Rooker right now to get up and, Hope that he can, you know, run into one or that, you know, Ruiz gets on base and he can steal his way around and, and score a run that way. 
you know, with all the data coming in, I mean, even Sessa, the guy going tonight, he, he throws sliders almost 40% of the time. Right. You know, we were all taught growing up that fastball is the best pitch. Strike one's the number one pitch. Fastball. Everything then is off the fastball. But as we're seeing now, and Hawkeye is really kind of changing things, we've gotten into that with Eno Saris. But, you know, the pitch that's being thrown more than anything else, whether you call it a cutter, slider, sweeper, but a ball that's breaking however you want, it's breaking. Right. And that, that's being thrown more than ever than a four-seam, which is a straight fastball, or a two-seamer, which gives you a little sink. But fastball used to be the most thrown pitch. A variation of a breaking ball is now the most thrown pitch in baseball, and that's changed dramatically. Who's your first big league club? Houston? Yes. I mean, you think about where that started for you the way pitching was then and right. where we are now. Yeah. Totally different. Well, Otani, again, the example yesterday, the cutter moves this much across. The uh, sweeper probably moves this much across. The slider is down here, and he still throws the curveball down here, let alone when he, when he decides to dial it up at 98. So to your point, there's so many different methods to the madness of yeah. getting spin and how the hitters have to adjust to that. It's just fans have a way of watching the game through rose-colored glasses. This game is really hard. And it's getting harder to hit a baseball because of the, the way that pitchers are manipul manipulating the baseball. I mean, it's like when you have your straight shot, your baby draw. Then yeah, you I got need all a, that. Then you need the bigger draw. Then you want to cut it. I mean, it's like you off the tee. There's one shot I hope to have every time I play. <laughs> forward. That's all I'm asking for. If I can get forward, then it's a good shot. I just want to find it. Can <laughs> I hit it and find The golf course I play, I just want to be able to find it. Uh, Dominic rolled out of bed today and, rolled, and shot a 75. I don't like your son. Yeah. <laughs> that drives me nuts. Um, Brent Rooker, I, I, I kind of – I don't want to – I'm not jinxing it. I'm trying to knock on wood everywhere I right can. Here. I just I I, I was here. I was doing the show yesterday on NBC with Johnny Gomes. And I just let it fly. I went well. You know, if there's going to be an All Star, he's the All Star right now. And I went, oh God, don't want to jinx it. But Brent Brent Rooker. I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, if, if there's got to be a guy right now, sure. I mean, it's it, his start's been amazing. Everything you see, hard hard hit rate, the walks. This is the this is the model A of an A's player. From, from years gone by, we talk about the greats. Yeah, I don't know where it's going to end up. I'm just saying in this short sample size, he's done a lot of those things. That said, and I discussed this with Mark on the pregame show, he said five of his home runs against fastballs. Okay, the time is going to come where we're going to see more of that. He's, he just, he's just going to get more spin. That's just all there is to it. That's the nature of the cat and mouse of the adjustments and the readjustments between pitching and hitting. And how does he handle that? Yes, you're still looking for the fastball, but the reality is now for me, these next – games, several games, couple weeks. I want to see how he handles the fact that they know who, he, who he's becoming or what he's been able to do and get him off the fastball and get him to chase. If they don't get him to chase because we've seen the walk rate go up, then you're starting to see the things you're talking about where he, he has that deserved conversation about being the A's representative at the All-Star game. But he's going to find out that he's going to see a lot of that, and, and unless he can hit it or lay off of it, it's, he might go through, a, go through a stretch here where it's going to be um, maybe getting the one pitch, maybe not even per at-bat, but maybe one pitch per couple of at-bats that he hopes that he can get and do something with. I know when the games are over and you're probably on the team bus, you're listening to the A's Clubhouse show. I'm <laughs> sure you are. <laughs> right? Not only am I listening to it, but I, 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 I got the uh, closed captioning going too. <laughs> so I want to make sure that I've got it exactly right. I know. You're listening to the whole show. You're appreciating all the phone calls. Um, but – 
Finally, tonight is something that I, I've kind of been discussing, and it kind of goes back, and I think all the A's fans from yesteryear understand, and we've talked to Carney Lansford about this a lot, like what was it like to hit with Ricky Henderson on base? You're hitting two. He's on base. Carney has told us multiple times, he just told us down at fantasy camp, uh, about how there were pitches that he wanted to swing at, but he knew he had to take. And, I mean, it's just literally fried me Tony Kemp, Jordan Diaz. Sure. And finally, yesterday was capable. But I've been saying, no one sees more pitches than Ryan Noda. He, it's almost five pitches per at-bat. He walks a lot. As we joke the money ball, what does he do? He gets on base. Mm-hmm. To me, finally seeing it tonight, I think he's the perfect guy to hit two in front of Ruiz because he's going to take pitches. He's super patient. And let the kid just run. And it'll be fun to watch. I mean, 10 for 10 so far. And he hasn't really had a minute. He could easily have 15 or 18 yeah. if the A's weren't in the position they've been in or have really kept the reins on him because you're down 9-1 to one or facing left-handers and just want to get his feet wet. Now it's green as go. He's got the green light. So off and running. And, and here's a trivia question for you. As I looked up today, and I was shocked to see it. Luis Robert leads uh, Major League Baseball in arm strength. You know, center fielder for the for the White Sox. No, 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 no undershirt, open yeah. jewelry, and just, just like you hang the fr- the Frenchman. He called him Luis Robert at one yeah. point. The French okay. Cuban, Luis Robert. <laughs> so eighty six point one miles per hour arm strength with all the different analytics. Esther Uri Ruiz is tied for first place at eighty six point one. Come on. How is that possible? The numbers don't lie. I was shocked to see it too. But that's look. This is a this is still an extremely raw piece of clay in in center field. So he's like Jesse Barfield and, well, and Dave Winfield and Daryl Strawberry with shorter, that rocket arm. Shorter spurts certainly. <laughs> I haven't haven't seen that kind of a throw really. Throwing from, like Griffey? Are yeah, you serious? Clemente from the right field corner. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Parker, Parker, the All Star. The game. Cobra. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I saw that today. I was surprised. They want him now to play in. They want him to play a little more shallow. That's what they're asking to, to have happen now. Uh, the ball that knuckled on him that he misplayed into the yeah. – I asked Marcotte about that the next day and because I thought it knuckled. And Ken was accurate in saying, look, he, he also – he made an aggressive turn one way and the ball went the other, and that's what part of that happened. And then he's diving it sideways yeah, well, and he you're was lost. Yeah, you're lost. He wasn't even close. You're begging. Well, and yeah. we talked about the postgame show. Hey, listen, no matter what you do, the number one rule of thumb as an outfielder, it doesn't get behind you. Sure. Well, some circumstances like that happen, and to your point, the one play that came to mind for Morkatsay was a guy that won a bunch of gold gloves that happened to, too, Torrey Hunter, in the playoffs inside the park home run in the Metrodome. So it, it can happen even to the best of them. So, look, he's a rookie. He's learning. He's only played the position two years. There's an enormous amount of physicality there. It's going to take some time for it to really mold into the guy that you want him to be. Johnny Gomes made a good point. I, I think it was on our show on Friday or – it was on TV. It, it, it's, and, and we were going back to his Ray. You know, we were making fun of Johnny. Hey, you're so old, you were a Devil Ray, mm-hmm. right? And we were talking about his early days with the Devil Rays. And what Johnny said, and I think it's a great point, I don't know if they're saying this to guys in the clubhouse, probably not, but Johnny would. He'd be like, hey, on a team like this with young players, one of you is going to have a chance at Rookie of the Year. Mm. And I was like, huh, I never would have – I. That's a glass half full, obviously, but yeah. I start thinking we had, we, we had the uh, calculator going. Going in, I think it was yesterday, uh, Ruiz was it was like on pace for 58, got another stolen base. I mean, 
If he puts out 70, if Mark Kotze told it, you're going to hear it today at what time's Kotze, 5 o'clock? Or no, 5.30. Mark Kotze on the Mark Kotze show said we're going to run him wild. One of you gets 70-80. Now you're going to be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. Absolutely. Who's the last day to lead the league in stolen bases? Well, we're not even allowed to talk about stolen bases till this year. Come on. it's in its, but it's but Ricky Anderson. No. Coco. Coco. Oh, Coco, what, Coco. 08 or something like that? 2011. 2011. He had 49 steals. Ricky only led the league 11 times. <laughs> That's it? Yeah, not all with the A's. A lot of those with the Yankees. It's hard to believe. Coco's my favorite line from Coco when I visited with them last year on the Where Are They Now segments. And I asked them what it was like to have Ricky in spring training talk to guys like you, an accomplished base loop, but still learning some of the nuances of it. And he goes, we all came out there, and we had our baseball spikes on, ready to get our jumps and turn and go to second base. And we had our spikes on, and Ricky came out. He had, like, sneakers on. And Coco goes, Ricky, how come you don't have your spikes on? He goes, Ricky don't need spikes. Ricky floats. <laughs> <laughs> that is Ricky Henderson to a T. And Ricky, I know you're watching. I miss you. I'd like to see more of you out here. Yeah, that would be great to see. I mean, especially with, with a lot of the young players. All right, we're, we're almost through this month. What, what are some uh, thoughts? Because one of the things about Vince that's great to have him on is he truly covers and does no, – you should see his notes. It's unbelievable. Uh, first month, what are some observations, good or bad? You know, because I know people are worried about the Cardinals. People are super, super excited about the Rays and the Pirates and White Sox are in trouble. Yeah. What, are, what are some things all, you've been thinking about? All that is certainly, you know, in that, in that pot of, of, again, it's just the first month. You can't – the adage that you can't win it, but you can lose it in the first month. So, if, to that case, I think that's where the White Sox are right now. They're, they're certainly in trouble. I'm really impressed with the Minnesota pitching staff, even though they're only four games over 500. The way that they are making things happen – uh, Jonah Heim has turned out to be a pretty good catcher in Texas. Excellent framer. Seems to become a leader behind the plate for those guys. Uh, that pitching staff, if they stay healthy, uh, they're going to be good. Now their bullpen obviously had an issue against Cincinnati. The old sweep by the Reds. Three late comebacks against them. I'm still uh, curious about the Angels, especially after just seeing them. I don't know about their bullpen, how that's going to play out. They don't really have a, a definitive nine, like a ninth inning guy, and Phil Nevin even told us that on the pregame show two days ago. So that's, that's what I see on, on that side. Uh, we haven't seen the Mariners yet. We won't see them until, you know, after this series. And they have, you know, the, the one-rung magic is not there this year. The fun differential? Yeah. The, the, well, they're not winning the one-run game. So yeah. that's, that's something that – Ray being out. Something that they that they used. And Ray, they had no injuries to their starting rotation last year. You know, they moved Castillo in there. And ran the table when he came over in, in uh, early August. Aside from that, they ran the same guys through there. Not the, the A's with, with Rosinski, if I'm not mistaken, he's their ninth starting pitcher already this year. Ninth different starting pitcher. And the Rays continue to do it. They've had eight starting pitchers, and they continue to mix and match. You know, the National League, I'm really not as in tune with, although I, I keep on reading the, co- the comments from uh, Ollie Marmel, and it's just, they're really, I don't know, they're kind of unique comments from, they, they don't sound like somebody that's that's been there before, like on the field, that's gone through some of these challenges that you would hear from a, a, an ex-veteran player that now becomes a manager. Um, it just it sounds a little stressed to me over there, and I think with guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt, uh, Wainwright, uh, I'm not so sure that's the right, the right tone and to you take. Had the, and you had a manager in Schilt who was like a veteran guy who yeah. had led you, and you, yeah. you parted ways with him for this guy. 
and it, you kind of look like the, the house guy, and yeah. it's just, ew. And Atlanta's pretty good. They got a pretty good catcher. Yeah, he's not bad. He's got a pretty good catcher. They got a good first baseman, yeah, too. Yeah, they do. Well, speaking of XAs, too, I mean, how about Jorge Mateo, who we never even gave a shot, sure. actually starting to really play well in Baltimore. Yeah, led the league in steals last year, but that was only in the 30s. And, you know, that number is going to be obliterated this year with all the changes. But he that that's the point, is at the time that he was with the A's, they had Marcus Simeon. There was no room at the end for him. And he got to a place in Baltimore where they had kept on losing games, and he was given a chance to grow, which is where the A's have got to be. And if this is where they are right now, then you have to find out who some of these young guys are, if, if they can step up and – and be the, the next group for you and, and take a chance on a guy with raw skills like a Mateo and, and see how it plays out. Um, I think Ruiz is in that category right now. Um, that's 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 kind of where they are. Is is his security ready to take him back to the press box? Uh, yeah, you got the presidential security and the okay. secret services here. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we got to make sure. Yeah. You know, it's like being with Bieber. It's weird. <laughs> it's just that, I got to go talk to uh, David Bell down on the field, who I, I, love, the fam- I love the Bell family. Buddy Bell is one of the finest human beings on the planet. And I got to meet T.J. Friedel, who went to, to Foothill High in Pleasanton, and just hear those old stories, see who, who he liked growing up. Is he still rocking the long hair? I don't know. We'll find, me with hair? I don't really pay that close <laughs> attention. That's not something I'm really keen on. He's what, playing center tonight, right? Yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. Nick Senzel's at third base today. Remember Nick Senzel when he came up, like, this guy's the next great. We'll see. Yeah. They got some, I mean, it's interesting. They just had a good weekend. They did. The A's need a good Can weekend. Can we win a series? The A's need a good weekend. We need to win one series. And if you win two games in a row. It's a winning streak. There you go. Have a good call, my friend. Thank you, Tony. We'll See be listening to you and the Skipper in the A's s- Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. The Skipper? The Skipper, Mark Kotze. Oh, yeah, that's right. I got Johnny D by my side today, too. Ginger and Marianne yeah, okay. and the whole crew. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me introduce myself. My name's Chris Townsend. I do all the A stuff. Nice to meet you, Chris. Nice to meet you. Uh, hell of a run so far. How's it been? It's been exciting. You know, I felt like I got to breathe a little bit. I was just telling Olivia on the way up here. You know, it's nice to take in the Coliseum and, you know, not be pressed like I was on my debut day. But uh, I'm excited, you know. Yeah, there is something that's so different. Like, you know, the day we got to get your parents here. We got to get everybody here. You know, you got to get the whole thing rolling. So much pressure. You know, now your next start's going to be your third start. Now you can really, what do I do in between starts? How do I get prepared? Just talk about the difference you feel now coming to the ballpark where there's just, there's not a whole lot of chaos around you. Yeah. Yeah. No, the first couple of days were nothing but chaotic. Yeah. Um, you know, coming pitching on a getaway day too. So, you know, being able to get back to pitching, doing my routines, um, kind of learning what it's like to be a big leaguer every single day now. Um, you know, it's been it's been great, and I'm learning a lot every day. But, you know, I'm excited to get back out there and, and pitch because that's what I love. You know, your rise ha- has been unbelievable. And, obviously, we've learned uh, uh, about your type 1 diabetes. And I can speak to it. My daughter is a type 1 diabetic. Oh, and, nice. I, and, I, and I remember what she was like until we finally was diagnosed, and then once you start treating, and now what she I, – I, I could see how what your body and how hard it was for you in so many different ways, but then once you start controlling your blood sugar and insulin and everything that, that you do, that all of a sudden, here comes the strength, and then all of a sudden, bang, I'm throwing 100 miles an hour. That had to just be incredible. It was awesome. I mean, baseball aside, just, you know, the life – 
quality of life that yeah. you know I was able to achieve once I was diagnosed was nothing but life changing. Um, and then to have you know the performance tick up as it did, um, you know it's truly a blessing. And you know it was a shock. I'm sure as a parent you knew when your daughter was diagnosed how much it's of a shock hard. it was. It's really hard. And yeah. you don't really know what what to expect in that moment. Um, so I definitely definitely thought it was going to be you know this crazy thing that took took a lot of things away from me but um you know it actually gave me plenty of opportunities and you know to be seated here and you know playing games on on the field down there is you know I don't think I'd be there without that diagnosis and you know getting to this point where I would be as a healthy individual was the the tick up in velocity it was a huge but was it slow or was it close to immediate it was slow um well I guess relatively speaking slow it's been pretty steady weight gain throughout the years um you know even when I was drafted I was about 210 pounds so I'm about 20 pounds heavier now um it's just been you know a couple miles an hour a couple pounds every year uh so I think it's been a good gradual gain um but yeah it's it's good that it happened you know consistently I think and not too much at once or not enough at once so I think it's been really good now you know this playing in minor league baseball we're gonna find a lot of guys that throw hard but they have no idea where it's going how much of you pitching you had to be a pitcher at the velocity you were at you had to throw strikes Mm -hmm. you had to hit corners you had to vary your speeds how much did learning how to pitch that way and then the velocity comes has helped you be a guy that no matter how hard you throw you still know how to throw strikes I mean throwing strikes is the most important thing you know whether you throw 105 95 85 if you're not throwing strikes you can't get anybody out um, you know, it just came to a point where I felt like everybody that was scoring when I was pitching was either somebody that I hit by a pitch or walked. So I just kind of made a concerted effort that, you know, I'd rather have a guy get a hit than me walk him. Because not only does that save me pitches, you know, it it forces me to be in the zone more. And that's just like my mentality now is, you know, I got a guy has to be with his bat. I'm not going to beat myself. You didn't have a lot of time in the minor leagues. You only had one start. In in AAA, obviously Arizona Fall League, but just now that ha- this has gone so fast, just how dramatic is the difference pitching up here with the technology and everything they have for you versus what you're going through the the, the quick spurt through the minor leagues? You know, I think we have a lot of resources through the minor leagues. You know, I think it's the consistency of that availability that it's every single time you're off the mound up here. You know, you have any sort of metric you want, um, and honestly, I'm still trying to figure out what what I want and what I don't need um, and what I could try. Um, but just having that endless amount of resources and what you need at your disposal every single day is, you know, it's a game changer for sure. Yeah, I like I like when you say it because you don't need to take everything in. Mm-hmm. You need to – you got to do what's right for you and what helps you. Yeah, for sure. I think all the analytics and everything is great and it's certainly a part of the game. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to go out there and execute, you know, your pitches if you're a pitcher and, you know, take yourself through a good at bat be a good teammate through through the game if you're a batter. Um, you know, it's it's part of the game for sure, but it comes down to you got to go out and play still. All right, what's the wow wow moment? Like you're out on the mound or you're in the dugout or you're in the clubhouse and you just go, holy blank, I'm in the big leagues. What was the wow moment? I mean, going out there and taking the mound on my debut was, I mean, everybody told me like, hey, make sure you take a moment and soak it in. So I went out before that first inning and kind of like looked around and everything, took it all in. And, I mean, it's surreal. You know, it's happened really fast for me. So I feel like I haven't even had a chance to fully, like, take in, you know, what, what's happened in the past couple of weeks for me. So uh, to be one week in Midland, one week in Vegas, and then here, you know, I'm definitely blessed. And I think I've earned it, but I'm going to continue to work hard 
and uh, you know show that I do belong here. One week in Midland, one week in Vegas, and now here's Otani and Trout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a crazy ride. It is, yeah. I mean, Bellinger, Bellinger being my first punch out. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, after that rough first inning, coming back in the second to get Trout and Otani, I think I was pretty cool. And I think those are big moments that I can, you know, look at in my young career and, and say that, you know, I, I'm ready. All right, so we've all enjoyed the two the, the two starts, but there's things you can get better at. Mm-hmm. And now that you're kind of settling in, now you start to look at start three, four, and five coming up here. What do you think you need to get better at? I think just getting guys out faster. You know, I've, I've gone 80, 80, 85 pitches, both starts, you know, and I, I'd like to go more than four innings on that. Um, so definitely getting some quicker outs, putting guys away, um, being in the zone a little bit more. I've taken counts a little deeper than I've wanted to. Um, so I think that starts with strike one. And, you know, I think I think guys will be hacking on my fastball. So if I can locate it early in accounts, you know, get some weak weak contact, I think that'll be good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I've kept the walks down, which is good. But, you know, I'd like to get to plus counts sooner and more yeah. often than I am. That's the thing. I mean, we all love strikeouts. We hate walks. But problem with strikeouts, walks kind of go with that. And that just drives the pitch count. And obviously we're all terrified of pitch counts for some reason in baseball now. But I like how you said that because that's one thing, you know, you keep the, you keep the pitch count down the longer you're going to be in games. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's my goal. That's that's better for our guys in the bullpen throughout the week. Better for me because I'm on the field more. You know, I, I live for that one day a week where I get to go out there and pitch. So I want it to be six plus innings. You know, I don't want it to be four. So that's what I'm working on right now. That's what my goal is going to be going out there. I know we gotta uh, gotta let you go, but uh, just talk about your next start will be what against the Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. Yep. Going to be here. What's preparation like going into the start? Well, it's really taking the extra day this week. You know, since I I went Tuesday last week, and I'm going to have an extra day with the day off. Um, so just feeling good. You know, keeping the body where it needs to be, not letting things speed up on me, and just you know, kind of moving into the start as I've done in the past. You know, doing some prep work, looking at their batters. Um, you know, I'll get off the mound tomorrow for my bullpen. So. Just being in a good spot, ready to go out and compete. Well, I want you to know A's fans have been really excited that you were coming up. Just to let you know, this yeah. show right here, A's Cast Live, which we'll take and put on YouTube, and people can download the audio. And then the post-game show that I do after every single game, callers call in, uh, that got tremendous downloads. That one day you pitched on opening day, all of our numbers were up. That's so awesome. That, so that shows A's fans very excited to have you here. Congratulations on everything. Congratulations with everything you've done with diabetes because that's something as you go on your career, you'll be able to, to help a lot of different kids who are going through it who kids need to get checked when they yeah. don't even know. So I think I think you'd be a real big advocate for that. Yeah, I hope so too. You know, thank you for having me up Thank there. you very Appreciate much. It. It's great to meet you. Great and we'll be doing well. a lot with you in the future. Awesome. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 